good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. One of the exciting things about um, running this organization, having this uh, radio show, is all the cool people I get to meet. Um, you know, you kind of generally first know the people in your network, and I had, you know, some ideas when I started Jew in the City about who I wanted to feature, and I've, I had a fear at the beginning, like, what if I run out of interesting people? Like, what if there's just like a limit of how many interesting Orthodox Jews there are to talk to? Um, but the great news is that there's always more. There are always more interesting Orthodox Jews popping into my life. Um, there's always more or interesting Orthodox Jews um, contributing to the world in meaningful ways, um, in um, unusual ways, in ways that might impact our lives um, on a regular basis that we don't even know about. Um, as we've said so many times before on this show and, you know, on our website, JewInTheCity.com, because people have told me before they didn't even know we had a website. They just thought this was a radio show. So um, we have both. Um, well, we've said so many times that the bad news makes its way to the headlines very easily. Um, the bad news doesn't need any help getting told. Um, it's the good stories that normally stay more quiet. Um, it's the successful people. It's the generous people. It's the people doing good that generally don't toot their own horn. Um, and those are the stories that need to take active research and active promotion, um, because at the end of the day, there is so much goodness that exists in the Orthodox Jewish world. Um, it's important for us Orthodox Jews to know how much is out there um, for our own pride, for our own feeling of um, feeling like we're part of something beautiful and meaningful. It's important for people outside of the Orthodox community, of other Jewish communities, to understand that, you know, we have so many good stories as well. And for the larger world, um, you know, before the pandemic, we had um, a, a huge spike in anti-Semitic attacks, violent attacks. Um, that was really on people's minds before. And the more that we can show um, how many people are contributing to the world in positive and meaningful ways, I believe that those um, ideas uh, and those introductions do build bridges. Um, so without further ado, I'm so delighted to introduce to you um, someone that recently came into my life. Um, his name is Joe Teplo. He's the founder of Rebel, an email technology company focused on making email actionable, now acquire, acquired by Salesforce. Joe also co-founded and serves as a board member on goodtoday.org, a nonprofit platform with the mission of making charity a daily habit for thousands. Joe was named one of Forbes 30 under 30, social entrepreneurs in 2020. At age 19, he was featured in Jewish Weeks 36 under 36. Well, I was also, but older than 19. Um, he grew up in Teaneck and was a longtime camper and counselor at EMT Camp Mosheva in Indian Orchard, Pennsylvania. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. So um, I guess like we mentioned in the bio here that um, we'd like to kind of start first with the Jewish background. So you grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, tell us a little bit about your um, your Jewish background, growing up, Jewish background, education. Sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, um, was raised in, you know, the, the modern Orthodox uh, community there. I went to Jewish day school uh, my whole life. I went to SAR elementary school um, and then also went to SAR high school, which was fairly new. Um, and made the trek over the bridge every day. Um, and um, thank God I was raised in a, uh, a really special uh, Jewish home. My, my parents um, you know, created an amazing Jewish environment for us. We had a, the happy minion of Teaneck um, every Shabbat in our living room. Um, and I still managed to be late um, for that <laughs> um, every Friday night. Um, so grew up with you know, just a lot of warmth and, and singing um, in, in the home. Beautiful. 
So um, you, uh, you're a entrepreneur of all sorts, the, um, the corporate entrepreneur, the uh, social entrepreneur. I did, by the way, I only learned this term a few years ago uh, when I was, I was involved with a, a group called ROI from the Schusterman Foundation where they said, it's a person that likes to build things that don't make any money. I'm like, oh, that's me. So um, you, you do both sides of the entrepreneurship. Um, were you a, like a, a natural born entrepreneur? Were you always building and creating things or kind of tell, take us through your education and uh, career trajectory? Sure. Um, that's a good question. Was I naturally an entrepreneur? I think, um, I don't even know if I, if I give labels to myself, I guess um, you have to do that for these bios, but um, <laughs> I certainly um, would say that, you know, throughout my ed education, I, I always used to say that that school for me began at like five o'clock, you know, going to Jewish day school, you, know, you have a dual curriculum, you know, Hebrew and English studies. Um, but I always managed to stay in class, you know, in, in school until like 9 or 10 p.m. because wow. there was so much to just learn after school. I remember I was in photography and web design and choir and hockey. And um, I think I, I certainly learned a, a great deal, maybe even more in some ways um, through the things I was building in, in, uh, in high school um, with friends. Um, just different charity projects um, and uh, and ups and downs of that um, that kind of maybe set me up for a little bit of a less traditional path. Um, mm -hmm. I was uh, supposed to be a good Jewish boy um, and become a doctor. Um, I was uh, throughout high school volunteered as an EMT in Teaneck and uh, was on the you know the volunteer ambulance corps, and uh, it, that was in many ways like the most fulfilling thing that I you know have ever done in some ways still still is the most fulfilling thing and kind of one-to-one -one just helping people in incredibly vulnerable situations and I knew healthcare was something that I found really meaningful and wanted to be a part of and so I went to YU I was pre-med um and um you know it's a I guess it's a it's a it's a, it's a story but but um through that process um while I was in, in school ended up starting um this nonprofit that then led to the company that I started so I ended up making the decision to jump ship on that but um I think yeah it's, it's uh I, I think I don't think my parents were surprised is what I would say so maybe it was a part of me hmm. so tell us how um good today started what is it how did you conceive of it you know even um like I've definitely been in the space of like, I don't know, Jewish outreach, helping fellow Jews. The idea of starting an organization was scary to me. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe part of the person that starts companies and organizations has to have a certain amount of boldness. I was less scared to, um, I don't know, go out and help people and just start doing something than um, all the technical side of getting my 501c3 and organizing a board. So here you're... Uh, I mean, you know, a little bit of a pitcher in the middle of college, like kind of where did you get the audacity to start a nonprofit from? Like, where did that come from? And where, did, why did you think that you could? Cause maybe you could do a little chesed thing, but like, yeah, what made you decide to be so official and do it for real? That's a, that's a good one. So I definitely, definitely was a pitcher still, still like to think about myself that way. Um, I, um, it was actually, it's, it's funny, the origin story, I, I, it actually, um, I think there's a mutual friend uh, in, involved in, the, in that. So um, I was in NYU, um, I was doing my thing in the, you know, the back of my bio classes, the labs, and um, I, I started uh, YU a little bit early. And so I was rooming with people that are a little older than me mm -hmm. and really looked up to, to these, these kids. And um, one of my roommates was in the Maccabees, oh. which, is, uh, which is, you know, uh, this 
I don't know how to call this semi-famous acapella group as far as you know acapella groups go. I think probably maybe definitely famous when it comes to Jewish acapella. Which which uh, Maccabee? Michael Greenberg. Oh, nice. Um, and, and so, um, unfortunately, Michael had lost his mom when he was younger to leukemia, and he was very passionate about the gift of life, um, which is a you know of course this Jewish bone marrow organization, mm-hmm. and he knew that I knew basic web design, and you know he asked, he said, Joe, you know, can we? start a fundraiser. Um, we're coming out with our next music video for Hanukkah. And I know that it's going to get some traffic, but we would love to harness this traffic for good. Um, can we raise some money for, for the gift of life? And um, he was you know, gracious enough to reach out to Mayim, who was Mayim Bialik. I remember this. Yeah, up, I, I remember who, when he was doing this. Yeah, There you go. To, who is remarkable. And she stepped up in incredible ways and was so generous with her time. And, you know, so all of a sudden you now have a few pictures and Mayim Bialik um, and the Maccabees, um, you know, working really around the clock. Mm. This was this was an initiative that was really like late nights um, because it came together fairly quickly. And next thing I know, this website that, I, you know, I and a few friends built was getting traffic thrown at it because the Maccabees came out with their music video. Mm-hmm. And um, it was pretty wild. It was, you know, over nine days, I think we raised something like $100,000. And it wow. was it was far and away the largest thing I had ever kind of touched in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and... In, in, you know, particularly, I was obsessed with like the analytics. I was seeing donations come in from Israel and uh, Europe, and the most amazing thing about that campaign—it was called uh, "Make Some Miracles." Mm-hmm. Most amazing thing about that campaign for me was that it was a hundred thousand dollars comprised almost entirely of eighteen-dollar donations. Wow! Um, and usually, when I tell this story, I have to explain why eighteen is an auspicious number. But I know this audience will get it. But get it. Um, it was really thousands of eighteen-dollar donations, and for me, this was a formative lesson of like really the power of the internet to harness the collective for good. Um, and that was the seed that was planted. Mm-hmm. I spent I spent a few months trying to get other like not to call not to call the Maccabees B list, but other B list celebrities to 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 uh, to you know raise money for causes they cared about. We ran a few campaigns, mm-hmm. um, and then through that process, um, I came up with the idea for Good Today. Um, mm-hmm. I really what, I'll explain what Good Today was, but I really wanted to do something that was that was ongoing. These campaigns were amazing, but they started and then they ended, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make something that was kind of really just evergreen. Um, and Good Today. Um, it's a nonprofit, and we were founded on this principle that it's so deeply Jewish, and it's so Jewish that I've yet to hear conclusively who is the source of this. There's so many people that talk about this idea. I think Maimonides is one of the earliest sources. Um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe speaks about it, um, but it's this idea that you know, when it comes to giving, giving small on a daily basis, on a regular basis, is more impactful than giving big one time. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that frequency is just as important if not more important than quantity when it comes mm-hmm. to giving mm-hmm. um and the idea of course i think is because it builds character it transforms yeah. habit transforms you mm-hmm. um and so we started good today basically give 25 cents a day we were a bunch of yu students um 25 cents a day every morning we'll send you an email it'll tell you about one problem in the world and two charities addressing the problem in a different way and you get to click where you want to give your 25 cents you get a choice every morning so kind of every morning you're waking up and be cognizant about you know someone else and and giving, um, and and you know thank God things grew from ten friends in YU to a couple hundred friends, and now we're around fifteen thousand people every morning waking up and and giving. Um, so it's really it's a it's a process of creating empathy and then creating an actionable step around empathy, which is really it's so um, 
powerful and, and meaningful. I want to take a pause now from sort of the narrative of what you built and now switch back to the Jewish piece because yeah. again and again, um, whenever I see the headlines of the bad guys in the Orthodox community and I say, well, and I've asked reporters, why did you include the fact that they were Orthodox in there? What did that have to do with anything? Well, their community bred them to be like this or their way of life bred them to be like this. So let's talk about how you were bred to be a giver, how you were bred. What, is there? Could you say there's any, um, in terms of your home, in terms of your schooling, in terms of any piece of Torah that you learned, um, is there anything you could point to about um, not just um, you know prioritizing tzedakah, but um, sort of seeing your role as you know having to create positive change in the world? Certainly. Um, so I think. Um, you know, first speaking to the home, definitely. You know, I, I remember growing up, like people, you know, would come to the door, you know, knock on the door asking. And and there was something my father always did that I don't think I really cherished, and, you know, until maybe and appreciated how unique it was until later in life. But um, no matter how much he was giving, and of course he was, you know, trying to give as much as possible, but he would always invite people into the house. Do you want to drink of orange juice? Do you want to drink of water? And I, I think, you know, these people must have thought, oh, wow, I'm really going to hit, hit it big on this one. But, <laughs> but you know, really, it, it, was, it was not even correlated to, to the fact that, you know, he was you know, giving so much, but it was, the, it was the empathy in which he received those in need. Um, and, of course, my mother as well. And this was something that, you know, happened so regularly. And I think um, kind of inculcated in me this idea of responsibility fairly early. Uh, to those, um, you know, if we're capable of giving, then we have to do so. Um, I would also say that I was always taking, like, thank God on my, you know, even for-profit professional journey, there have been, it, it has been so painfully obvious to me that I have not done anything alone. Um, mm -hmm. That there have been mentors and, and, and investors and friends that have rode the roller coaster with me. Mm -hmm. And any success, it, it's just so obvious that I'm not running the show, if that makes any sense, right? And like, mm -hmm. you know, of course, God. And and I, I think that for me, like, it's always been um, something that if, that if that's the case, then like, there must be responsibility that comes with the success. Um, and um, there's been so many people that have that have taught me that one of our, my first investors um, is in a remarkable Israeli um Chabad Chassid, um, who, who did very, who did build some remarkable technology companies, um, and and the giving he does so anonymously, um, and with such just like empathy um, and humility, um, was was definitely instrumental as well. Like I've I've been very lucky to meet a few incredibly successful people in my life that view that success with deep, um, deep recognition of where it comes from. Hmm. Beautiful. Okay, so let's go back now to the the timeline. So you build this um, this software because this um, this uh, miracle campaign for Gift of Life has inspired mm -hmm. you that you can get people to give a little bit, you know, from all over the world, a little bit every day. Um, and then you you kind of grew this uh, organization. Um, you, you attracted some interesting people, some kind of um, a lister <laughs> celebrities to it. So can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, so um, what I found with, so it's called Good Today. And what I found with Good Today was that, uh, you know, I ended up after that starting, you know, a for-profit company called Rebel Mail that you mentioned earlier that we build this interactive email technology. Um, and um, thank God we grew the company. And recently last year, we, we sold it to um, a much larger software company called Salesforce. And that's where my whole team is now. But kind of on that journey of building Rebel Mail for better or for worse, like, 
building a an exciting technology company um as you mentioned earlier around you in the city you get to meet some amazing people mm-hmm. um and kind of just building this this company we were building we were i was really blessed and i was encountering some really remarkable people that have built amazing things and are building amazing things um but what I really saw early is that if I was authentic to who I was and whenever I told my story, I told my origins of like being who I am as a Jew, but, um, you know, more, uh, more specifically talking about good today and what that meant to me and how that was really the impetus for everything I was doing. If I opened with that, that would a, um, give a person a more authentic lens into who I was and kind of engender like a real relationship. Um, but B, it would invariably actually help a good today. And I can't, you know, I would always start with that and it would lead to donations and it would help people signing up. And so uh, there was one just incredibly, incredibly um, uh, serendipitous, uh, you know, I believe more than that, informative meeting that I had um, actually right before um, we sold, you know, the for-profit um, with uh, a, an amazing uh, guy named Guy Osiri. He's a guy named Guy. Um, an Israeli, um, and he's a really successful music executive. He manages Madonna, and he manages you know a whole host. He, he started this uh, management company called Maverick, um, and we met. I'll never forget. We met in, in the East Village and in, 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 in the Greenwich Village, and someone um, someone uh, someone introduced us and and said to me before I went into the meeting, they said, "Joe, make sure you get to the point of what you're looking for very quickly." Because he's a busy guy, he's distractible, you want to get to the point. And he was encouraging me to really just get straight and skip my whole origin story with Good Today. But there was something that, that I just couldn't. And so I get in there. We only had, you know, t- supposed to be 20 minutes. I open up with Good Today. Of course, I was supposed to be about an investment in, in the email company I was building. And we end up speaking about Good Today for an hour. And the guy who made the introduction was actually sitting next to me and he was just like his hands, his face was in his palms. He's just like, I cannot believe you wasted this meeting. And we speak for a full hour. And at some point in the meeting, he's like, Joe, I had a vision of impacting the world at scale. You know, it's a very spiritual thing for him as well. And, and it's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence that we're speaking about this. And I want to do this with you. And, um, and we, you know, next thing I know, I was on a plane to LA to, to sit by, you know, you know, sit in his living room and, and, and talk, talk through the details, but we ended up joining forces and, and guy came on as a co-founder and with him came some, uh, in, amazing personalities. And, you know, next thing I know we have, uh, you know, Ashton Kutcher is on the site, uh, you know, with his testimonial, he's building a habit of giving every day. He's mm. gifted it to quite a few of his friends. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really amazing. I'll, I'll say something to that point though. You know, we have quite a few, A, really successful, you know, uh, amazing, interesting people. But the cool thing about Good Today is we're all just giving 25 cents a day. Mm-hmm. And we're all just building that habit, right? There's a few billionaires on the platform. And I see them click the email every day. And I'm just like, these are people that are used to having such an outsized impact maybe in some of their actions. But when it comes to Good Today, it's small. By the um, way, let's also talk about the fact that, I mean, um, this is just occurring to me now. It's Machasis HaShekel. Everybody's giving the same amount. Has that occurred to you that that's sort of what you're doing, like sort of leveling out the playing field here? A beautiful analogy, right? It's, and it's it, because it's really just about transforming your character um, mm. and, 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 and making sure that you're cognizant of giving, whether you're a kid, whether you're a billionaire, whether you're a celebrity, you know, and um, it's, it's resonating. Tell us about the companies, which companies have signed on and are. Yeah. So we, we focus now on just because it's kind of, we found the fastest way to grow. When I was building my, my company Rebel Mail, we were 25 people. We're trying to attract the best talent in the city. 
And most of these amazing larger technology companies have really robust like social responsibility arms now. So they think about giving and corporate giving. Um, and of course, as a 25 person company, we can never compete. But I said, what can I do to start the conversation around giving? And so I said, you know, I have good today. Why don't I just sponsor my employees 25 cents a day to start giving every day? Um, and, and get an email in the morning, get that dose of perspective and get, you know, get your head outside of your work inbox. And I did that. The team fell in love with it. It was very quickly a part of our culture. And then when we sold the company, we start, I started thinking, like talking to other founder friends. Um, I met the founder of Shutterstock, who's an amazing, uh, amazing founder. It's this big uh, stock photography. And he sponsored all 1,000 of his employees. Yeah. I met the CEO of Jeffrey's, the bank, and they sponsored all 3,000 of their employees. Um, you know, there's quite, and, and at this point now we have 30, 40 companies on the platform. So we have 15,000 people. Um, and uh, we found that companies are just an amazing way for these, these, these people to cultivate a culture of giving on their teams. So I um, want to talk, I want to just speak to this, like um, thing you just hit, create a certain culture. Um, I had a conversation, I interviewed um, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, maybe a year and a half ago. And we sort wow. of talked about some challenges um, in the Torah, if you look at sort of like straight out biblical law, some of it's like sort of hard to wrap your head around um, considering like a 21st century lens. And I said to him, what do we do with these things like slavery or animal sacrifice or polygamy? And he said to me, how hard is it to create, uh, to change corporate culture? It's so hard. How much harder is it to change world culture? Hmm. And so he sort of his understanding this, which I've repeated again and again is, I mean, Rambam talks about getting back to Rambam again, that, um, the base on Mekdash, that the, the animal sacrifices were sort of a halfway house to wean us off of a practice that was not as good. And really we were supposed to, you know, move away from some of these practices that today we can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, but this idea of how do you change culture, this, again, I think this idea of repetitive compassion and repetitive actionable steps to change the corporate culture, it's really, how do we take Jewish values? values um, and sort of make them universal. There are so many values that really could benefit the world that um, are, are embedded into our um, heritage and, um, you know, really could move the world into a better place. So um, I, I think that that's like tremendous. You're taking this thing that really all people could and should be able to relate to and, again, develop that empathy um, and uh, an action in them. Because it's not mm -hmm. enough, enough to just feel. You have to also um, yeah. give people the tools to, to do something about those feelings. Um, we have a few minutes left. I want to talk about... Um, You've gotten in front of obviously some very um, interesting people between both the, you know, your um, Sadaka that you've created and your um, successful company that you've built. Where does your, um, where does the role of Kiddush Hashem play into this? Um, how, you know, I think so much about Orthodox Jews who are publicly and proudly Orthodox in yeah. settings where they're not often found as much in settings where maybe there's even Jewish people that have hangups or misunderstandings or only associations with the negative parts of our community. So um, how do you see Kiddush Hashem in sort of the, the platform and opportunities you've been given? How do you try to increase yeah. it? Um, any, any, you know, good anecdotes along those lines? Sure. Um, so I'll tell a, tell a quick story, but I mean, uh, I recognized, I guess, fairly early that, you know, I, that first campaign that I was 19, you know, and I met when we met with the first investor, I walked in and I, re I remembered I had my yarmulke on. And I, before I walked into the restaurant to meet, I took a step back and I was like, okay, wait a second. Some dads in my community wear a yarmulke, some don't, <laughs> what do I do? And I guess I just didn't have like the time to like really contemplate that decision because I was walking in and I said, you know, if this guy doesn't want to work with me because of my yarmulke, I don't want to do it. And I walked in and it was kind of this like happenstance decision that really set the tone for like who I was. Um, as a Jew, 
um, I recognize that I'm like the most Jewish person that many of the people I'm interacting with interact with. And I, 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 I really view that as a responsibility. Um, I'll tell you a story of my first day at Salesforce. So we, we sold the company to Salesforce. It was a really just emotional moment for me, right? It was a transformative moment in a lot of ways for me, the company, um, and me as an individual. Um, and so I walk into this huge office in Bryant Park at Salesforce Tower. We previously had our little office in Union Square with 25 of us. And I used to you know, pray you know, in the stairwell if I needed to in the morning. And um, so I walk in and of course, you know, I hadn't gotten a chance to pray that day. And so I asked someone, I said, you know, is there somewhere we could pray here? And, uh, you know, there's a thousand people on the floor. And they said, you know, we have meditation rooms on every floor. The founder of the company feels deeply about, you know, meditation. And so we, we made sure every single floor has a room. So I said, awesome. So I go into the meditation room. It's beautiful with little pads and plants and, you know, pillows that are around. And I start putting on my tefillin um, and I'm saying the Shema and it's not a huge room. It's like five feet by five feet. And someone else walks into the room and I'm like a little bit panicked and they kind of pull up alongside me. And then I noticed them like completely bowing down on the floor, like prostrating themselves. I was like, okay, like now I know what's happening. Um, you know, it's a Muslim, you know, right, and, right, right. And, and you know, doing their, their prayer. And I was already so emotional about everything transpiring in my life. But like, yeah. there's something about this moment of like me praying, him praying. Right. And I just like started crying and um he gets up, I guess the, his prayer was a little shorter. And um, before he leaves, I said, hey, brother, like, what's your name? Mm -hmm. And he said, my name is Yusuf. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, my name is actually Joe, but it's Yosef in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And um, I hug him and he leaves. And there's something about the story. Of course, there's 50,000 people at this company. So not everyone has a relationship with the CEO. But selling the company, I was blessed to you know, get to know the founder of, of this you know, large public company. And so I tell the story to Mark. His name is Mark Benioff. And... Um, he, he immediately just says to me, Joe, you must tell this story to as many people as possible. This is exactly the type of values that we're trying to build here at Salesforce, where you can be authentically yourself in the workplace. And I thought that was the end of the story. Six months later, I get a message from someone named Monica. And I pick up the phone and she says, Joe, can you tell me the story about the tefillin in the meditation room? And I say, Monica, can I ask? I'm sure. I tell her the story. I said, why do you want to know the story? And she says, well, Mark is writing his book. And he wants to include this story. Is it okay if we mention this? And I'm like totally blown away. I was like, of course, I had to find Yusuf, get his approval. I had to find the Yusufs in the directory. It turns out there was 10. Um, and um, uh, they put this in the book. And I just get I, get, I get countless messages now of people who are reading this book. It's been published and it was, you know, a bestseller. And, you know, they mentioned the story of the fill-in and the meditation room. And um, now people reach out to me when they see it. But I, I told Mark after it went, you know, it went live that I said, Mark, do you realize, and he's a Jew, he's a, he's a proud Jew. And I said, do you realize that, you know, my grandparents had to hide that they were Jewish in the workplace. And, and not only am I not hiding it here, but you're saying that I can be entirely myself in the workplace and that's being celebrated. Um, and I think that that really is, and I may be naive and very blessed to be in some of these positions, but I think that that's a unique opportunity of this generation um, where we can be entirely ourselves. And, and not only is it accepted, but it's something that makes us who we are and is, is, um, it can really fuel success. Wow. Incredible. Really. Um, you, you like your, our brand, like all in one, in one thing here, um, the, the tzedakah side, the, um, you know, the Kiddush Hashem side, it's really, um, tremendous. Let's give, uh, let's give your nonprofit a plug because, um, I always appreciate that when, when uh, I get the chance. So, um, let's say people <laughs> want to start giving, um, they want to start giving 25 cents a day and see different they, causes and, uh, have a chance so to do something about it. Sign up. 
sign up on goodtoday.org if you want to if you want to experience it as an individual and i'll say just for the, the listeners of your show allison if anyone has a company and they want to sponsor their employees i will personally um sponsor their first week uh for their entire company if they want to give it a shot so they can just email joe at goodtoday.org amazing um, really, uh, incredible. And something else for just the last thing you mentioned before, um, where people might have seen, uh, the rebel male side of your, uh, mm-hmm. of your work, cause we spoke a lot about the Tadaka side. Um, if you ever see a survey inside of an email mm-hmm. directly in the email, we can thank, uh, we can thank you, Joe, for developing that and in why you correct. Exactly. All right. So I've, I've noticed that before. So, uh, thank you for that, uh, that easy interface. Um, you should have, um, continued Hatzlacha in thank all you. of your endeavors. Um, really tremendous example about, um, being proud of who you are, being authentic about who you are. Um, and obviously we can't say that it's always a simple, uh, you know, a simple, uh, idea where if you do the right thing, good things come, but, um, it certainly seems like you sticking to your values and, you know, having this vision of trying to um, make the world better. Um, has certainly um, shown you the fruits of your labor, you know, at least in this world um, and, you know, God willing in the world to come as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. You should be blessed as well, Allison. Keep spreading the light. Amen. Okay. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.